Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today I'm welcoming back a guest to preview events taking place at Georgia College in celebration of Constitution Week. Constitution Week is an annual celebration of the signing of the United States Constitution, and it will take place this year between Monday, September 18th, and Thursday, September 21st on the campus of Georgia College, right in downtown Milledgeville. Joining me today to talk about it is Matt Ressing, former Georgia College faculty member, now of the University of Georgia's Terry College of Business. Matt, I want to thank you very much for making the trek down here and joining us to talk about Constitution Week again this year. It's my pleasure. And I, I hope that is the pleasure of many of our radio audience to hear you back in the good old town of Milledgeville. Well, to start off with, I just kind of want to be cognizant of the things that are going on, not just on the written piece of lambskin, but in our modern times. And I just ask you, in these tense times, what is the role of the United States Constitution? Okay, so the Constitution is a foundational legal document. The country that we know as modern America began with this document in the 1780s. So this document was signed in 1787, and what it did is it established the structure and powers of our modern governmental system. That's the main body of the Constitution. And in the amendments to the Constitution, it also laid out specific rights that we hold against the government. So it tells us what the government is, what it can do, and what it can't do. And it served as a blueprint for the way that our government has evolved. Um, but yet we reinterpret it from time to time. These rights and prohibitions and powers set out in the Constitution are set out in somewhat vague terms. They are open for interpretation, particularly as events happen that may not have been anticipated by the framers, the people that wrote it. So it's the job of our federal judiciary to constantly take a look at the Constitution and say, okay, well, what does this mean now that I have to apply it to this new situation that we didn't imagine would happen? Of course, you mentioned the judiciary kind of looks at the Constitution and looks at how the Constitution plays into our modern society, but it's a slow-moving body, and it's not calling fouls and fair balls in real time. So part of the job of the judiciary is to interpret the law, and we know that because they've told us that is their job and their power. That's the case of Marbury v. Madison from the year 1803. In fact, the same year Milledgeville was founded. We had a, uh, one of our first Supreme Court justices, chief justices, John Marshall, who said it is emphatically the province and duty of the judicial department to say what the law is. And we call that judicial review. And what he's basically saying is we get to interpret the Constitution, we get to interpret federal law, and what we say goes. There really is no higher authority than our final word. So... To get to your question, yes, there is a bit of a delay. So things happen. We have major social, cultural events, and it's going to take a while for the Supreme Court to weigh in. Someone has to bring a lawsuit. It has to work its way through the lower courts, which would take months or years. It then gets appealed up to eventually the Supreme Court, which may or may not take the case. And then by the time the Supreme Court rules, we're ruling on something that has happened, you know, at best months before and more likely years before. However, as slow as it goes, that process is often quicker than a legislative solve. In fact, a lot of the argument behind the living document view of the Constitution, the idea that judges do have a duty and perhaps a responsibility 
to reinterpret the Constitution based on changes in society is that we can't wait for legislators to amend the Constitution. That is such a onerous process and a long process that it may be too long and people may be losing important rights while we're waiting for a, a legislature to come up with a statutory fix. And um, as we are going into a week in which we're celebrating the Constitution, might you speak just briefly about the process of amending the Constitution? When you say it takes so long, why does it take so long? Is there any examples that you can go back to to say, like, this is how long it may take to amend the Constitution? Well, it takes a long time because you need a lot of people to agree. So I believe you need, you know, two-thirds votes in the House and the Senate, and then you need to have two-thirds of the states ratify constitutional amendment. So it's a long process and that a lot of people who don't normally agree have to agree. You can see what difficulty we have even getting to a majority of votes in our modern Congress, let alone a supermajority that you would need in this case. And then, of course, you basically have to have a supermajority of states go along with it as well. So amendments to the Constitution do not happen very often in our history. Now, as we look at the modern situation right now, I think that there is a lot of controversy surrounding the Trump administration, uh, the executive branch. And there are many people, people in the media, people within government, people within the judiciary, you and I maybe even on the street corner talking about the issues that are throwing around this term constitutional crisis. I was wondering if you could tell us what makes a constitutional crisis and how might we look at our modern environment and determine whether or not this is a crisis of our constitution. Sure. Yeah, it's an odd phrase. I think in a sense we're always in a constitutional crisis. The way constitutional law works is it's a push and a pull. By giving or at least honoring the judiciary's idea of judicial review of the Constitution, we are saying that the Constitution can change. Every time a majority of the Supreme Court interprets part of the Constitution, it's like they're dropping a footnote. So the Constitution is not an off-on switch. We're not either following the Constitution or not following the Constitution. It's a long conversation we've been having for you know, over 250 years on what our basic rights and responsibilities of Americans are. And there may be times when I personally agree with what the majority of the Supreme Court is doing. There may be times when I disagree with what they're doing. Does that mean we're in a constitutional crisis? Well, I think there's an argument that the Constitution is working the way it should. Justice Ginsburg you know, referred to this as a pendulum effect. And sometimes the pendulum swings right, sometimes it swings left. But it's more about respecting the process. That's where I think you know, some folks might be using the term constitutional crisis nowadays in a way that, that they haven't before in saying that the process is not being honored. And I think a lot of people have brought this up with the idea of allegations of ethics violations in the executive branch. But again, as long as we have those checks and balances, as long as we still have Congress overseeing what the president does, judges ruling on executive orders, then no, I would say we're not in a constitutional crisis. The Constitution is doing uh, what it's supposed to do. Now, you might not agree with the results, but that's part of the process. We don't always get to have our say. Mm -hmm. Well, we've run out of time in this segment. 
And so we're going to take a short break. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're previewing next week's Constitution Week as it will be celebrated on the Georgia College campus. I'm joined in the studio by Matt Ressing, former member of the faculty corps here at Georgia College now currently at UGA at the Terry College of Business. He will be one of the people participating in one of the many events that will take place during Constitution Week. So stay tuned as we talk more about it here on Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Between Monday, September 18th and Thursday, September 21st, on the campus of Georgia College, we will be celebrating Constitution Week, which, of course, is an annual event in which we look back and reflect on one of the guiding documents of our U.S. democracy here. Joining me in the studio to talk all about um, these events, uh, some of the events that he'll be participating in, and some of the events that he's just happy to be having a hand in bringing to the Georgia College Milledgeville community is Matt Ressing, former member of the Georgia College faculty, kind enough to travel down from Athens, Georgia, University of Georgia, Terry College of Business to join us here today. Matt, I want to thank you again. It's my pleasure. Now, of course, outside of that long intro, <laughs> you are here to talk about the events that will take place during Constitution Week. So let's start off this segment by just previewing some of the different panels, discussions, and celebrations that will be taking place on the campus. Sure. We have some amazing events on the Georgia College campus for Constitution Week. And this, as far as I can tell, this is something that's really unique to Georgia College. I don't know any other institutions that have this full of a program for Constitution Week. And it really speaks to the college's public liberal arts mission. On Monday, we have a Monday, September 18th, there's going to be a Constitution Day festival around noontime, around lunchtime. It's going to be out on front campus, and we'll have booths, music, events, all with a theme of patriotism, Constitution, and law and justice. Then later that evening, we have our Coverdale Chair Lecture talking about the American democracy in an era of nationalist populism. This is with Dr. Ku of Texas A&M University School of Law. And then we have on Tuesday, we have a debate about the death penalty. This is at 2 p.m. in the ANS Auditorium. And we have lawyers that have argued on both sides of death penalty cases. So we have prosecutors that have prosecuted a lot of death penalty cases. We also have a lawyer that's defended a lot of those cases. And you'll see this as a theme. What we have always tried to do with Constitution Week here at Georgia College is present both sides of an issue. So it's a great opportunity for students, faculty, community members to come up and learn about an issue, but really see an intelligent debate and discussion on both sides. So you and I were talking about constitutional crises. I think the biggest constitutional crisis is when we don't have those conversations, when we live in an echo chamber and only hear one side. And what we really try and do with this Georgia College Constitution Week is present a spectrum of intelligent opinions. 
Tuesday evening is when I will make my triumphant return to Georgia College as part of the Supreme Court Review Panel. This is a panel that I actually put into existence when I first arrived here on campus about five years ago. So I had played a role in expanding our Constitution Week events and adding the Supreme Court Review Panel, and they were nice enough to invite me back this year. And we will have about six different lawyers, judges, and law professors talking about cases from the prior Supreme Court term. Then on Wednesday, we have a Times talk in the library, and this is about impeachment. So we've been, people have been talking a lot about the potential of impeachment, and we're going to learn a little bit about what that means and how it's been used in the past. That evening, there will be a panel on immigration and refugees, also you know, a hot topic in constitutional law and federal law right now, as well as social policy. On Thursday, we'll have a discussion that evening about freedom of speech and guns on campus with political science professors and politicians, and that'll wrap up the events of the week. So there's something going on every day of the week, Monday through Thursday. It's a great opportunity for the community to come out, for students and faculty to come out, learn about these important issues, and let your voice be heard. And I'm just curious if you could allow us back behind the curtain and talk about how you choose the topics that you will have these debates and discussions on. Sure. Well, as you mentioned, I'm a Georgia College expatriate at this point, so I haven't been involved in the planning this year. I helped out a little bit as kind of a, you know, a past chair and talking about the ways I used to help organize these activities when I was here. But it's been decided by a committee. Professor Jahan Elger-Baggy, who's one of my colleagues here in the business law department, put together a great committee across all disciplines. So we've had representatives from each of the major colleges here on campus. And we got together and talked about what are the things that the laws that are really affecting students, faculty, people in this area. And that's, of course, where we came up with the idea of guns on campus and freedom of speech, two issues that particularly have an impact for students, particularly as we've had changes in Georgia's gun laws to allow weapons on a significant portions of our public campus. Immigration and refugees, this is obviously a very hot topic when we've been discussing President Trump's platform, some of the changes he's made in immigration law through executive order just in the past few days, uh, really today, officially the announcement that he would end DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, which was a, a key part of President Obama's immigration policy. This also ties in with Georgia College's freshman book that they're reading this year, which is Outcasts United, which deals with issues of refugees and immigrants coming to America and the refugee experience. Death penalty, of course, is something that was proposed by the criminal justice department here in the sociology department. It's something they talk about a lot in their classes. It's also been part of our national debate. We've seen some states veering away from the death penalty. We've seen a lot of controversy with businesses being willing to supply the drugs that are needed for lethal injection. We've seen a lot of court challenges and a few Supreme Court justices starting to question whether the death penalty as we use it, is even constitutional nowadays. The Supreme Court panel, we picked several cases that we thought would really capture the public mind. So the case that I'm focusing on is a, a case about a rock band where their name was seen as offensive or disparaging and whether or not uh, you could do that. So again, a free speech case, but in the context of a rock band, something we think students, community members can kind of wrap their, their head around. 
That's really been our theme, to present a wide range of topics, controversial topics, not shy away from the controversy, but uh, not just shout at each other. Let's get experts on both sides, really dig into the facts, and have a respectful debate. All right. And it seems like right now there's so many uh, areas y'all could go to for the Constitution Week conversations. I'm just wondering, what might you put on the, the list for next year with everything that's been going on? Oh, well, there's, there's so much. I mean, every day I, we see something in the news that we could talk about. Of course, a lot of these controversial issues have withstood the test of time. We're constantly talking about them. Issues like religious freedom, freedom of speech, privacy. I guess that's one that in the mix maybe didn't make it onto the agenda, but that's a big debate in what sort of privacy we should have now. Should the government have access to your cell phones, for example? What sort of information do internet service providers collect on you and how do they use that information to target marketing materials to you artificial intelligence drones uh, genetic modification uh, genetic gene therapies i could go on and on and in fact as a teacher of business law this is my constant challenge is how do i stop adding to my curriculum when i see things in the news Often it's pushed by technology, but it's also pushed by social changes as well. There's no doubt that some of the backlash we've seen against immigration, both legal and illegal, has come because of significant changes in the America's demographic. Questions of, are we becoming something different? What is the we? Does the we include recent immigrants, or does we include you know Americans that were here before a certain date? What is our national identity? And that's something we're getting into with this discussion of nationalist populism. So there's always something to talk about, and it's something we should be talking about. So, yeah, many, many things were left off the list. Even though we have a very rich program for you, there's plenty more we could add and plenty we're looking forward to next year. Excellent. Well, it's happened again. Uh, we've run out of time in this portion of our conversation, so we're going to take another short break. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. We're looking forward to Constitution Week, which will be celebrated on the Georgia College campus between Monday, September 18th and Thursday, September 21st. I'm talking with Matt Ressing. He's a business law and ethics professor. That, that I'm a lecturer, lecturer in legal studies <laughs> at, at Terry College of Business. <laughs> and so you heard it straight from the horse's <laughs> mouth. Yeah, he'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections after this short break. staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. If you're just joining us this week, we are looking ahead to a week of programming on the Georgia College campus to celebrate Constitution Week. That'll take place between the Monday, September 18th and Thursday, September 21st. Here to preview some of those events and also talk about the Constitution itself and some of the tenets of our government in the United States is Matt Ressing, a former Georgia College faculty member, now at the University of Georgia Terry College of Business. 
Of course, we were talking about in the last segment, one of the highlights for you is the Supreme Court panel. And I was wondering if we'll just start this segment off. We talked a little bit about it last time, but let's talk about it again, just previewing the Supreme Court panel, what y'all talk about and what people might expect if they come out and join you. Sure. So this Supreme Court panel is one of my favorite events of Constitution Week because uh, this is kind of my baby. I, I started it here about four years ago when I was an assistant professor at Georgia College. And every year we get a uh, variety of legal experts. Some of them are practicing lawyers, some of them are judges, some of them are law professors. And we take the five or six most significant, most attention-grabbing cases that the U.S. Supreme Court just decided, and we talk about them. Each panelist gets a case, and they're really challenged to talk about it within 10 minutes in a way that students, community members, people without a legal background can understand. So it's a lot of fun, and also a lot of these fly under the radar. You may hear about some of the, you know, the really critical ones, but you don't really often hear about what went behind the decisions, what went into it. We hear the punchline, but we don't really understand what this means for our lives. So this is an opportunity to delve into that. We're going to do about six different cases, and I don't think all of them are completely settled yet. We tend to leave it up to the panelists to decide. But I know a few of the cases we're going to talk about. One is a case called Trinity Lutheran versus Comer. And this is a case about whether a religious entity, church or a church-affiliated school, has access to government grants. So on one hand, you might say, well, why not? If these grants are available to every school, why not a religious-affiliated school? On the other hand, you might say, well, this kind of looks like a slippery slope. These grants come from tax money, so we're essentially taxing the public and giving the money to a church. So does it violate the establishment of the clause of the Constitution, which says that government cannot establish a religion, often interpreted to mean the government can't take money and give it to religions? Or if we prevent them from participating in this program, does that violate the free exercise clause? Are we basically saying if you want access to the money everyone else gets, stop being religious? So are, are you stifling religious freedom? The implication is that, well, if only you weren't a church, you would have access to all this money. Are we basically putting a, a disincentive on our religious expression? Another case we'll be talking about is Cooper v. Harris. This is a voting rights case, which have gotten a lot of attention. Our voting process has become very partisan, you know, maybe has been for a while, but it's kind of reached ahead with gerrymandering you know, or redistrict. So every 10 years or so, we often give the legislature the power to redraw district lines, and sometimes that can be done to give the uh, ruling party an advantage in the next election. But if you're not careful, it can be done for racial uh, discrimination. So if you're putting all minorities into one district to dilute their voting power in other districts, does that violate the Constitution? And Cooper v. Harris deals with two of these North Carolina voting districts that were alleged to be gerrymandered to exclude African Americans or or include them to the exclusion of African Americans elsewhere. And these were voting districts so bizarrely drawn, people referred to them as the snake and the octopus. So they weren't nice little polygons. They were what we might call an ink splat district that that ranges all around. And the suspicion is that they were going around to capture voters of a certain race. Another case we'll be talking about is Nelson versus Colorado. When you are convicted of a crime in Colorado, as in many states, you have to pay certain fees. So you might have to pay court costs and fees or fines to the court. 
You might also have to pay restitution to the victims of your crime. But sometimes on appeal, that conviction could be overturned. So the question is, does the state have to give you your money back? You were technically convicted of a crime, but later they said, well, you know, there was some issue. We're going to let them go. Does that mean you get your money back? And again, this may seem obvious. Well, sure, you should get your money back. You know, you were convicted, but then it was overturned. But often the order of returning of the conviction is on, say, a technicality. So the police officer didn't have a warrant, for example, or, you know, some other procedural flaw. But we're pretty sure that you did it. Are we not going to make you pay restitution anymore? Is that fair? And we might also talk about a case, Hernandez v. Mesa. This was a case where a U.S. border agent shot a boy across the border. So the boy was standing on Mexican soil. Border agent was standing on U.S. soil. And it's actually a very complicated question of whether the boy's family has any rights to sue, whether there's Fourth Amendment protections across the border, whether there's Fifth Amendment protections. Where does the Constitution apply to the feet of the agent, to the feet of the the victim, to the path of the bullet. So very interesting uh, constitutional questions. I'm going to be talking about a case called Mattel v. Tam, which dealt with a rock band called The Slants. This is an Asian-American rock band that chose the name The Slants, which is a pejorative term for Asians. And they said they were doing it to reappropriate the term. But when they tried to file for trademark registration of their name, they were rejected. Because one of our trademark laws says that you can't trademark a name that is disparaging. And they said, well, yeah, sure, it's disparaging, but that's kind of the whole point. And they argued that their freedom of speech overrules this federal law that says trademarks can't be disparaging. Well, we're just about out of time for our entire show today. And... Oftentimes at these Supreme Court panels, not all of the conversation is about the cases. And so I was just wondering, as our parting shot, uh, if you might take us back behind the curtain and talk about some of the other things that you have a sneaking suspicion might come up uh, during this discussion of the Supreme Court, its cases, sometimes even its personalities. Well, there's plenty of drama on the Supreme Court. And this is one of the things that you and I you know, talk about a lot and one of the reasons I enjoy this. It's not just about the cases. It is about the personalities because you have nine votes and five of them decide, you know, our rights as Americans. So we often say, well, who are these people on the Supreme Court? How do they make their decisions? How do they interact? We also are going to be keeping a close eye on the health and wellness of our Supreme Court justices and whether they decide to stick it out for the rest remainder of President Trump's term. If one of them should resign or die in office, then President Trump would have the ability to nominate a successor. So a lot of people are watching these justices who are, you know, 80 plus. You know, we have a few justices on the court that, that might be close to retirement age, including Justice Kennedy, who has long served as a, a swing vote on the court. And Justice Ginsburg, who if she left or died, it would lead to a seismic shift in the court's philosophy. So that's the drama that's gone at the Supreme Court to be continued. All right, and the conversation to be continued as well. And remind us again, when is the Supreme Court panel uh, taking place on this Constitution Week? So the Supreme Court panel is the night of Tuesday, September 19th. 
It's 6 to 8 p.m. in the Arts and Sciences Auditorium, and I hope to see you there. All right. And now how might people find out more about all of the events that will take place during the Constitution Week? You're going to see posters going up around campus. I think you'll probably see some information through Front Page, through University of Communications. We also have a student group, American Democracy Project, which coordinates a lot of these events. So please check their website and their Facebook page uh, for a full schedule of events. All right. Well, Matt Ressing, I want to thank you very much for coming down and talking to us all about Constitution Week and just piquing our interest, of course, about that Supreme Court panel that will take place on Tuesday. I'm glad to be here. You've been listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Tonight, we were previewing the week of activities that will celebrate the U.S. Constitution. Monday, September 18th through Thursday, September 21st is Constitution Week on the campus of Georgia College in downtown Milledgeville. All of the events that we talked about tonight were free and open to the public. Uh, so please, if you're interested, please come out and join those conversations each night between Monday, September 18th and Thursday, September 21st. Of course, as Matt said, you can find out more. Probably the easiest way is through Facebook. Search for the American Democracy Project at Georgia College. Matt Ressing was my guest here joining me in the studio. He, of course, is a lecturer at the University of Georgia's Terry College of Business. I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. It's been my pleasure spending a portion of this evening with you here on Georgia College Connections. And I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you next time.